Hello and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter, as featured on BBC Radio 4 Extra's Podcast Hour, BBC Radio Manchester and also now BBC Radio Lancashire. Joining me today is a friend of mine, Alice Singleton, who is the Marketing Officer at the Lancashire Wildlife Trust. We're going to be talking all about nature, conservation and what the Wildlife Trust is. So welcome to the podcast, Alice. How are you today? I'm really well, Lucy. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, thanks. The Lancashire Wildlife Trust... um, what what is what is it about what do you do there so the lancashire wildlife trust is a small independent charity we come under the umbrella of the wildlife trusts which many people have heard of with the badger logo um but each area that has a wildlife trust is its own charity so we do not receive any money from national it's all local so the lancashire wildlife trust is actually the Wildlife Trust for Lancashire, Manchester and North Merseyside, because at the time that it was um, created, the county lines were different. So it was back in the times when Manchester and Merseyside were still part of Lancashire. So now our title is a bit of a mouthful. But um, so we are a conservation charity and we work across this the region on building, maintaining habitats for local wildlife, um, creating wild spaces, so, and and making them accessible to people, um, all people, you know, our aim is to ensure that everybody has the chance to experience uh, the wonderful wildlife that is around us, because it really is amazing. And I mean, lockdown particularly um, really showed us that because we couldn't go further afield people were really enjoying what was on their doorstep and it had it had a really positive impact on us as a charity um and yeah we we just like to hope that'll continue and so take me back to sort of you growing up and things like that have you always had this interest in nature and in sort of the outdoors Um, Yes, so I've always had an interest in the outdoors, mainly in farming. Um, I I never thought I'd see myself at the wildlife side of things, but actually, when you look into it, there are so many crossovers and so many similarities between farming and wildlife. And one of the things that I really try and do at work Um, And what I tried to do with my work with the young farmers was to sort of bridge the gap between farmers and conservationists. A lot of the time they're at loggerheads um, over, you know, sensitive subjects such as uh, badgers and, and TB and things like that. But actually, everybody wants the same outcome. Um, nobody wants an animal be it big or small to suffer and we all want to live in a harmonious green um, place so there yeah there's a lot of crossovers and like I say I've always been interested in it I've spent so much of my life outside whether it's on a farm or going for walks and yeah I've done um, agricultural based work before and um, and then a job at the Wildlife Trust came up and I thought, you know, what, I reckon I could do that. And uh, lo and behold, three years later, I'm still there. And is it a very rewarding job in the day to day things that you do sort of 
that will obviously have changed the wildlife in Lancashire. Like you'll have helped species and conserve, conserve conservation. Um, so I mean, um, there's lots of different projects within the Wildlife Trust. One of my favourite projects um, is called My Place. My Place is based at Brockholes Nature Reserve in Preston, but it works all throughout the region. And it's basically um, it's a way of helping people who are unemployed or have poor mental health, and it's allowing nature to heal them. It won't fix them. We know that. But there have been so many reports and surveys done that show being outside in nature in green places have such a positive impact on your mental health. Now, I'm not directly part of that project, but being in the Wildlife Trust that launched that project makes me really proud because the team that are running that project are absolutely incredible. And they've had um, so many positive stories you know, of people who have managed to get a job, but only after spending a year in my place, building up their confidence. And it's a free support system that we offer, which wouldn't be available without um, our memberships and donations that basically bring the money in. Um, on the conservation side, I absolutely adore um, Brockholes Nature Reserve and also Sands Wood Nature Reserve, which is in Rufford. Um, they are two of our more commercial-based areas but because of that we see so many families there and I I love going to Brockholes on a on a nice day whether it's you know in the middle of autumn like now or in the summer or even when it's been snowing and you see children and they're absolutely fascinated and their eyes are wide open and they're looking at everything whether it's just a flower or a tree and then you you just sort of spot um the kestrel we have a kestrel that's always on site he's nicknamed kevin you see the <laughs> kestrel um there and these children are just like oh my gosh this is amazing and then in my heart i'm just like yeah that that's what i you know, I did that. I helped um, that family know that we're here and helped that child have their first sort of interaction with wildlife. And that makes me really proud as well. So you mentioned Mere Sands and Brockholes. Do you have any other locations in Lancashire? Yes. Yeah, so in our region, which, like I said, is Lancashire, Manchester and North Merseyside, we have about 43 nature reserves. Oh, wow. Yeah. So not many people are aware of that but basically they're not all um places that you'd go for a day out some of them could just be an acre of land that seems to have particularly good soil for growing a, a, a rare that we preserve and we look after um other areas in lancashire that we have there's um there's Mossbank Park in Bolton, which has an area in it called the Hive. Um, the Hive is one of our areas that's kind of aimed at preschool children. And we do um, do a lot of wildlife themed events there. Um, we also have there's a place in um, Merseyside called Lunt Meadows. That's a beautiful place. Um, there's no visitor centre there yet watch this space um and lunt is stunning really great for a walk and some of our places are dog friendly some of our um reserves aren't and that all depends on the wildlife that's seen there um we have salt hill quarry as well which is in clitheroe just be just near clitheroe auction salt hill quarry and that 
is home to some really rare, well, not rare, very, very old fossils. And they're called crinoids, if I remember rightly. And they're like millions of years old or something. Um, and they are found at Salt Hill Quarry. There's also Astley Moss, which is in Wigan, Freshfield June Heath, which is on the Sefton coast, and uh, Fox Hill Bank as well, which is another lovely one. There's some really beautiful areas that you wouldn't think um, were, were around, but they're all managed and looked after by our team, which is just fantastic. And you mentioned particularly how you, you enjoy visiting brockles. So what makes that location like special to you and sort of what's there that if members of the public wanted to visit so brockles has a special place in my heart for quite a few reasons whether that be work or personal so i um i as you know personally was part of the young farmers federation and uh, quite a while ago now we had our lancashire young farmers um, AGM at Brockles and I'd never heard of the place and I went and that evening I won the President's Award and the Member of the Year Award which was completely unexpected and I look at pictures now from that evening and it's like I spent half my life in that room but at the time I, I had no idea and it was that first going there was like wow this place is amazing and then I ended up working there um, I also met my boyfriend there he um he used to work at Brockles, so um you know it holds a special place for me there but it's just a really beautiful place it's completely unique it's a floating visitor village it's the first and only as far as we're aware floating village in the uk and basically um if you see a picture of it it's it's a wooden uh, structure well wooden and concrete structure and it's on stilts on four four corners it's on stilts and it's sitting in the middle of a lake so as the water level of the lake goes up so does the village and as the water level of the lake goes down the village goes down so we've had moments in the heart of summer when um we have quite literally beached because um obviously the lakes have gone really low down and brockles visitor village has gone down but then because we are on the banks of the River Ribble, um, we've had times when maybe parts of our reserve, such as the woodlands, have been flooded because of the Ribble. But actually, our visitor village is completely safe because the it's risen with the water level. That's clever. How did yeah. that... Like, who thought of that? As in, like, that's just such a clever thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's bizarre. So basically... Brockles used to be um, a sand and gravel quarry and the Lancashire Wildlife Trust fought to um, purchase the quarry rather than it going to housing. Mm -hmm. So this was way back in 2007, I'm going to guess. But um, so when the Wildlife Trust purchased it, it was a it was the biggest investment the trust had ever had. And we, we had a lot of help from outside investors as well. And there was then a competition for local architects. And well, I don't know whether it was local, all architects um, to design a visitor village. And the people that won were Adam Khan architects and they designed this 
um, this village, which is what we ended up with. And given that it was on a floodplain, they designed this idea of it floating. And Rockholes opened on Easter Sunday, 2011. So it's actually its 10th birthday this year, which has been a difficult one because we haven't really been able to celebrate it as much as we'd have liked to. We'd have loved to have had a big party with staff and volunteers and visitors, but we've just not been able to do anything because of the dreaded COVID. However, we have seen a fantastic support um, throughout the 10 years that we've been open. Um, a lot of people, still visiting who visited back then we've had we have volunteers um still with us who helped plant the trees to start off brockles you know there's a real sort of connection that people have with the place and it's really lovely to see people come back time and time again and so how many members does the lancashire wildlife trust have and sort of do you have a lot of volunteers as well Yes, yeah, so the Lancashire Wildlife Trust has around 29 to 30,000 members, which is incredible. We're really, really proud of that number. And we have a great membership team working on that, um, on, you know, building up new memberships and retaining people that have become a member to allow them special opportunities to say thank you for um, for donating your money. We also um, have a lot of people who may not be members, but they do donate um, quite a bit of money to us, which is, again, so great. We are so grateful for. Um, and Brockholes itself has over 100 volunteers. There's more volunteers than staff. Um, yeah. And that's because we are a small charity and people are so invested in, um, in nature, in wildlife, in the conservation that we do, that they want to volunteer their time. And it's it's really heartwarming to see. Um, quite a few of our volunteers are retired. Some of them have been GPs. Some of them have been high top class solicitors, lawyers, um, all sorts of different vocations. And they've just thought, you know what? I need something chilled now. And they've come to volunteer for us and it's, Again, it, go, it all goes back to, you know, caring for yourself and they find it really supportive of their mental health. They can get out, they can walk around this beautiful 250-acre nature reserve whilst doing a job that really helps us out. Um, there's, I mean, I can't think off the top of my head, but I'd say there's maybe about 10 um, to 10 to 15 paid members of staff at Brockholes and the rest are all volunteers and we really heavily rely on them and they are an absolute force to be reckoned with. Wow, it sounds so amazing. And so you're the marketing officer. So what specifically do you do at the, at the Trust? So there's two marketing officers, myself and my friend Charlotte. Charlotte focuses mainly on memberships and bringing people in to be members um, and focusing on the membership benefits and that side of things. I'm mainly commercial marketing. So like I mentioned before, the, our main commercial sites being Brockles, Mere Sands Wood, The Hive at Mossbank Park. Um, so my job is to, rather than, although part of my job is to get people to become members, it's also to get people to visit places as well. So the we have a parking charge at Brockles. We don't charge um, an entry fee, but the parking charge is five pounds. And with that five pounds, you can stay for 24 hours. You can stay all day. And that's what we really encourage people to do. 
maybe not 24 hours, but, you know, spend as much time as they can there because there is so much to do. So it's my job to tell people about what there is to do. I mean, coming up in October half term, for example, we've got pumpkin carving. Um, we always have an explorer challenge on the school holidays, which is run by British Orienteering. And it's basically a treasure hunt um, that we change every time on um, you go and look for little markers um, that will have pictures on and it takes you on basically an adventure around brock holes and it's a great way to get children into walking rather than just saying come on let's go for a walk and there's nothing to actually do to entice them instead they're looking for something and their eyes are up and down and it, it really you know it helps them take in the wildlife i also do a lot of work on site um, with photography doing videos because as much as it's great to promote the events that we're doing, um, a huge proportion of our visitors are avid wildlife watchers and, um, and people that love nature. So I go and speak once a month to once a fortnight if they're busy. I mean, they're always busy, but um, when I can go and speak to the conservation team at Brockholes, which is headed up by Lorna. And I do a video called a wildlife diary with them just to basically fill people in because a lot of families that go and visit, they, they love it. You know, it, it's a beautiful nature reserve and they know us as doing great events and having a lovely cafe, but they don't actually know what goes on behind the scenes in terms of, you know, why have they just mown that grass? Um, shouldn't they be letting that, you know, grow naturally? Well, actually we need to mow it to allow the, um, to allow the wildflowers to have a chance at surviving and it just you know then we get more pollinators and things like that so it's really important to explain what we're doing we also have um as i said brockholes used to be a sand and gravel quarry and when it was a quarry um a lot of ash trees were planted to sort of make a sound barrier around the quarry. Now, unfortunately, when they planted them, they planted all ash and they planted them all at the same time. And now we've got an issue with ash dieback, which is a disease mm. um, which you might be aware of. And so we're having to actually cut down quite a lot of trees. We are replanting other trees, more native trees, so that we've got better biodiversity. Mm. Um, but people might just see us cutting down a tree and thinking, what are they doing? Why, why are you cutting down a tree? So again, we have to explain why we're doing it to keep people happy and to keep them in the knowledge that what we're doing is the right thing to do. Yeah, and so... At the start, you mentioned farming and and um, conservation, and I agree. I thought it'd be something that would be quite um, polar opposites, let's say, in terms of um, maybe conservation wanting to, I don't know, maybe be more vegetarian, you know, consume less things yeah. like that, have less dairy things, and, you know, farming's very much like, well, the dairy is good for you and the meat's good for you and stuff like that. How's that in, in, um, in reality, sort of the different conversations, being sort of from a farming family like I am? So you're not far wrong, um, but it's what I've learned is when we say things like what, like what you've just said, which, like I say, it is accurate, but that's quite a generalisation. There's a lot, a lot of different people. And... 
you know, even some of our top class conservationists who are mad about wildlife, they're not vegetarian and they're not vegan because they are more mindful of what they're eating and they are more mindful that they go to, um, you know, f uh, free range um, farms to get their eggs, to get their chicken. They make sure that they look for the red tractor when they're buying their meat or they go to their local butcher. So it's local, there's less air miles. It's all about the carbon footprint um, a lot of the time. And while, you know, there's all this talk about cows um, giving off the methane and having a very high carbon footprint. You know, there's also a lot of false in that. It, it can be accurate, but not to the extent that the media push it. So it's getting the right message out to people. We serve all sorts in our cafe. We always have a vegan option. We've got, you know, we have vegan cheese on, on offer. We always have salads and things like that. But at the same time, we do serve uh, sausage rolls we have sausage and bacon balms in the morning um, and I think it's just important to have that balance and you know as a wildlife trust we are not telling people to do anything or to not do anything we are looking after our green spaces at Brockholes we have cows we have some stunning longhorn cattle and that's because they are um, better for the land in terms of they will graze the land and that's better for the land and the soil than us getting a big machine on there to mow it. Some mm. areas mow with a small mower, other areas our volunteers rake themselves. You know, we have a lot of different practices, but farming and conservation, the two do go hand in hand. You can't really have one without the other. And I'm sure many um, conservationists or, or vegans or vegetarians may disagree with me but this is from my point of view like you say from a farming background the the two can be friends and I I like to think that I'm sort of proof of that there's obviously going to be some things that we disagree on but that's the same with every industry um but definitely you know farmers grow the food that the vegans eat you know, all the vegetables, it's still farming. Mm. Uh, it's arable farming as opposed to meat farming. So yeah, there's, you're not, you're not wrong in what you say. There is, there can be a lot of um, sort of conflict, but there's more talk now on how we can work together. And I think as well with the um, review of the common agricultural policy and the ELMS policy and things like that, there's be there's more conservation efforts being put into that to allow farmers to show conservationists, you know, we're willing to help you, just stop shouting at us for having cows, basically. Yeah, and I think it's important, like, so my master's major project was all about the future of farming and, you know, environmentally friendly things like that. And I think it's important that um, farming shouldn't be at one side of the scale and everything else at the other. Like it shouldn't be, oh, if you eat, if you eat or drink, you know, dairy products, then you're bad. Like people need to sort of meet more in the middle and understand and educate each other on their views rather than I'm a conservationist. I don't, you know, just the complete polar, polar opposites. Yeah, um, and so how was it in the pandemic? Because Brockholes would have been shut, wouldn't it, at, at some points? How was that for the charity as well? It was stressful. I'm not going to lie. So I went from working, uh, our main office for the Lancashire Wildlife Trust is based in Kewardham Valley Park in Bamber Bridge. Oh, lovely. 
yeah I went from having a working in person with a brilliant team um, always surrounded by people having a good laugh and you know all that to suddenly you're gonna have to work from home and you know I've only recently moved into my own house I was living with my family and it's no word of a lie the internet there is terrible um <laughs> and my mum works from home my brother was working sometimes um on his computer and I really struggled that was one part of it and I really struggled being away from my team as well we use Microsoft Teams to keep in touch but it's just not the same Brockles stayed open for as long as we could manage um we shut the catering element um, before we shut everything else. And then eventually it got to the point where the government were basically saying, you, you can't go anywhere that's not on your doorstep. So we just had to make the decision that we had to close the gates, unfortunately. And it was heartbreaking, really. Mm -hmm. um, you and know, how long I, was that for? So it closed from, um, I want to say it was March through to we we reopened on the 4th of july last year oh, yeah super saturday yeah but it was a very strange opening it wasn't brockles as you know it it was i mean that first day that we opened it was hilarious when i think about it because it was pouring down everyone was so excited for this day and actually it was pouring down um, and we had a little marquee on the car park selling some biscuits and packets of crisps and drinks because we just opened the gates, but we couldn't really open anything that was inside. So that included our catering elements. Um, and, you know, it was nice. Quite a few people came just because, you know, they were regular member, uh, regular visitors or members. And then we were like, right, we've got to do something a bit different. So we managed to uh, work it along with the government guidelines that we opened a takeaway service in our Kestrel kitchen, which was our main cafe. And it was, it was difficult, but it was nice. Once we started building it up and people started to realize that we were open and we were there, it was, it was slow and steady, but it just, it just wasn't the same. You know, we had a summer without being able to hold events. And over the summer holidays, we would always hold outdoor theatre, uh, which is amazing, really. Mm. Um, not only just a really um, big income earner, it's just a fantastic occasion as well. Um, we'd have families in their streams coming to Brockholes in summer. And that July was just really like ghost town almost. So we built it up and we built it up and, um, you know, we had to furlough a lot of staff um, in order to help the, the stream of income for the Wildlife Trust. So they gradually started to come back and then we were locked down again. Mm. So staff were back from July until December, I think. Yeah, November. There was a little lockdown, yeah. wasn't there? Yeah, and then it was just after Boxing Day, wasn't it? that we went back into tier three and then we had to close again so mm -hmm. we closed the visitor village again we kept the, the reserve open because by that point we were allowed to exercise by that point um <laughs> so we could leave the actual nature reserve open but again uh, the commercial element other than the car park was closed and i think as a trust it was really difficult because i especially in the first part of lockdown i was trying to promote a place that you weren't actually allowed to visit 
and trying to sort of do my job properly was difficult so what we as a team decided to do was start almost a campaign to say you don't have to go somewhere to experience nature even if you live in a flat in the middle of a city you can stand on your balcony and I guarantee you'll hear some birds get a pot plant and you'll get some insects you know so we started doing some um things you can do from home activities and some um homeschooling activities as well to try and help bring nature and wildlife into the children's school day which you know really was brilliant um we also we have a monthly photography competition which we've had for years and we saw the um the entries for that absolutely soared um we opened it used to be that you had to be on one of our nature reserves uh, the pictures had to be taken on one of our nature reserves we opened it up that it could be anywhere and people were just like this is something I can get involved in mm. and it made people go outside and it made people appreciate where they were so in hindsight it probably helped and it probably um it probably encouraged people but as staff it was a really difficult time as I'm sure it was for most people working during the pandemic um it's just so much nicer now and you still, I mean, we've been open now um, for ages, but you're still getting people like, oh, it's, it's nice, isn't it, to get out? And it's like, yeah, yeah it's really nice. Yeah, it's crazy though, like thinking back to like when you were just talking about the lockdowns and like you could exercise and you could travel for exercise. And then like, it, that was two summers ago. Like I'm just remembering like we've had the 2021 summer. It's like two years of it's like two years of life isn't it that's just been like like paused um it was crazy and then for you in the pandemic did it allow you to sort of engage more with nature because you're you're a really good photographer aren't you of nature and things like that yeah I um it I think once I got over the initial shock and of the lockdowns and working on my own I sort of thought right I'm gonna have to do something because this is this is here to stay so at the time I was living living with my parents so I get to maybe uh, about five o'clock ish when I finish work and I'd go go for a walk with my mum and it it that was really great because although I've lived there for 20 years there was still areas that we'd never really walked around. So, you know, we found like a beautiful pine woodlands that we'd never been in and it was only across the road. So yeah, we, we did quite a lot of walking and um, it also, we did more video engagement with our members and our um, people on social media. So I was doing quite a lot of videos, um, which was relatively new to me, um, videos with myself on them, not great with that. Um, I'm all right at taking them, but it was more selfies because some people were not seeing anybody. And it, you know, that that blew my mind. People, if I was how I am now, and they put me in lockdown, put us in lockdown, and said you couldn't leave your house, you know, I wouldn't be able to see anybody because I live on my own. So we decided that we do more sort of um we did some quizzes we did some um what can you see in your garden and we did them as as if we were talking to people like me and you are now mm. because it was interaction for people and they weren't necessarily seeing anybody else so yeah it um 
I I did get out a lot, um, but obviously only in my local area. Um, but you know, it it kind of helped bring bring everyone back down to earth. I think and oh, be grateful be grateful for what we have, and especially in terms of wildlife as well. You don't have to go abroad to have a fantastic holiday. You can go down the road and you'll find something that you've never seen before. And you know that was something that was really interesting the lack of cars on the road baffled me mm. i go for a walk i could literally stand in the middle of the road at the top of my lane and there was just nothing there and i've never seen it like that before so yeah it was definitely a time that i wouldn't forget but i think it's taken me till now when things have got back to normal to really appreciate that it wasn't good but it also wasn't the worst thing ever either yeah it was it was um like I enjoyed the walks around where I live. I would just get up my snap maps and it has every single public footpath. And I would just literally start walking and be like, oh, that goes to there, that goes to there. And then just see where I end up. Um, yeah. And I definitely found a lot a lot of walks in the area that were beautiful. Like you said, that you would normally, you'd normally go, oh, let's go for a walk up Beacon Fell or let's drive for a walk over there. And actually it was nice to see like the hidden gems on your doorstep. Yeah. Um, so then what what other things do you like to do in nature so like you mentioned like going for walks yeah so I I love walking and like you said uh, I love taking photographs as well um I I really want to get into carefully I want to try wild swimming mm-hmm. I know there's it's quite a contentious thing at the moment there's quite a lot of bad press about it because a lot of people were doing it um, not very safely um, during the summer when it was boiling hot. But if you do it properly, it, it can be very, you know, have positive uh, elements to your body, to your mind and everything. I'd like to try that. Um, I'm a little bit obsessed with my garden at the moment. So as I say, I moved into my house in June and the first thing I did, I planted two sunflower seeds or seedlings. They just started to grow. Um, and I planted them on the 7th of June and they are currently, I'm just looking at them now, they're currently above my fence and they are so tall. And one of them's got about seven heads on it. Seven, it's got a main flower and then it's got about seven different heads on it. Um, And I've also planted a lot of wildflowers, a lot of poppies, um, got some lavender, we've got some, uh, what else have I got? All sorts in my flower patch at the the garden and and I I really enjoy that as well. Um, And yeah, I like like a good trek, like a proper, not just going for a walk of an evening, I like a good hike. Um, Again, you know, you'd think, oh, I need to go to the Lake District for that you don't I live in Chorley and you know you've got Winter Hill you've got Great Hill um Darwin Tower's not that far away um you know Angles up in Chorley I love well that's just near where I live now that is the I that was somewhere I found when you could actually drive to exercise and I was like it's just I love it oh I need to go back there it's so beautiful yeah pop in for a break um well, yeah Rivington as well you know yeah. all these places that you maybe think oh it's a bit boring because it's here but actually it's perfect to go and explore um so yeah I mean I just love being outside I love, mm. I love 
being outside even in my parents garden and I it was difficult in lockdown I couldn't really see my sister and my niece and my brother-in-law yeah um, and then when we could see them again you know I spend so much time outside with Olive um who's my three-year-old niece and she just loves running around um playing hide and seek my mum has an apple tree as well and Olive you know we taught her how to sort of twist the apple and if it doesn't fall off naturally then it's not ready and every time we went she'd be like I'm going to try them I think they're ready now and it's like they're not ready yet and <laughs> um, uh, yeah just sort of introducing her to wildlife as well has been yeah. a real positive as well I think I saw a video of, of her on your um, your Instagram with your dad, something to do with the tractors, and she's oh, just yeah. so cute. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And then also in lockdown, though, because you're quite a theatrical family and like yeah. a Disney-loving family, as in not theatrical like dramatic, as in theatrical like you do theatre. Well, my sister's an actress, so, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, and so she in lockdown was like singing... Was it on the Thursday nights? Yeah, so when it was Clap for Carers... Um, my <laughs> Feels sister, a lifetime ago. Yeah, it really does, doesn't it? So my sister and her husband and Olive, they lived in Wheelton on, um, like, a main stretch, but you couldn't... Like, where they lived, there was it was sort of a dead end, so you couldn't get any cars up. And um, they lived next to a little tea room. And... Um, yeah, so her Lizzie's next door neighbour, who I can't for the life of me remember his name, but he was an incredible guitar guitarist, and obviously Liz can sing. I don't know how they got round to discussing it, but they basically said, you know, should we should we sing? People are coming out onto their doorsteps to um, to clap for the carers. Why don't we give them a bit of a concert whilst they're there? And so they did, and honestly, it was amazing. I watched the first few live on Facebook, mm. and then. I decided because they where I lived with mum and dad it's only a couple of bridges along the canal away from my sister so I decided then that I'd start walking down um because there was a lot of people watching um and obviously socially distant I thought it's probably best not to drive so I would walk down um and it was just great and the atmosphere and like so Liz would be at the bottom and then there's a hill that goes up towards a school and you'd see people stood outside all up this hill, all stood on their doorsteps listening to her. Um, it was a really lovely thing to do, actually. Um, and I think it was quite sad when they decided that they were going to bring it to an end. But the whole clap for carers thing came to an end um, as well. But obviously, we still show them our support just in, in different ways. But it was it was a really nice thing that just came off the top of her head. <laughs> um so have you any tips for people to help the environment if they're sort of maybe sort of committing to donating isn't accessible or affordable for them but can they still do things to help the environment absolutely it being able to help the environment is one of the easiest things you can do the easiest changes you can make and they can make such a huge impact one thing that I know everyone's babbling on about, but it is really important, is try and cut down on single-use plastics. Um, if you enjoy having a straw with your drink at home, invest in a metal straw. Mm. You can get them from so many places. They wash and you've got them forever. 
instead of buying um, milk in a plastic carton, why not contact your uh, your local milkman and get it in plastic in glass that can then be washed, recycled, and we go again. Um, also, you know the packaging of your fruit and veg. Take your own bag and put it in. It, a lot of fruit and veg has its own protective coating anyway. Doesn't need any more packaging, but suppliers will put them in plastic or in you know other things and it drives me bonkers so you just put it in your own bag and then they weigh it and you know it's great also um one thing that i've started doing when you're mowing your garden try and leave an edge around the outside that is really long or just let it grow longer because that's great for wildlife um I, I get really bad hay fever, ironically. So I can't let my grass grow too long. Otherwise I can't open my door without sneezing. However, I leave about a, a border around my little square garden and it's great for attracting bees and bugs and spiders, which I'm not a fan of spiders really, but they're needed, everything's needed. Mm. Um, and, you know, you could build uh, a bug hotel in your garden, which, you know, if you found bits uh, bits of wood and maybe some uh, like strips of, uh, sorry, bamboo um, pipes, build it together like a little house, uh, pop it somewhere on, on the side, maybe with some seeds and things like that in, um, and bugs will, will go for it. There's loads of stuff on the Wildlife Trust website as well um, on our Greener Living pages. And that's all ideas that you can do. One thing as well that we've been trying to push is don't feed ducks or birds bread. Um, it's actually really bad for them. Um, it gives birds and swans um, something called angel wing, which affects their wings ironically and means that they can't fly anymore which means they can't fly away from predators and then they end up being killed instead feed them bird seed um or yeah yeah bird seed's the best bet really um so put that on a bird feeder or when you go and feed the ducks at your local pond take some seed with you rather than bits of bread um there's we understand that donations and membership isn't, you know, isn't always an option for people. And we fully appreciate that. But getting involved uh, in wildlife is is easy, like I said, and it's really re rewarding. I've absolutely loved creating my garden and seeing the bumblebees come in. And like I say, I really don't like spiders, but I used to be afraid of bumblebees. And now they're just really cute little fuzzy things that I'm like I've created food for you and then you can create food for me and when you think about it in that way it's like oh, mind-blowing yeah no definitely I know me and my auntie are thinking about getting a um a beehive and start keeping bees and things like that because it's just it's just doing things for nature like you can't all just get rid of your cars you know um get rid of all electricals in your house like that's not feasible and possible but doing all these little things like planting wildflowers and things like wildflowers are so pretty as well they're absolutely they gorgeous so what's the website if uh, people want to know so, more? the best website to go to is the lancashire wildlife trust website which is lanx which is l-a-n-c-s-w-t dot org dot uk brockles has its own website which is just brockles.org 
um dot uk i think and um yeah both websites have got um tips on how you can help the environment in your local area or in your garden the brockholes website obviously has ideas of things you can do at brockholes you can plan your day all the events are on there and on the Lancashire Wildlife Trust website you'll get all the events for all our sites across the region so they're uh, they're a really good resource amazing well thanks for coming on the podcast Alice that was really interesting and I think everyone should like head over to the Lancashire Wildlife Trust website have a look and like do more to get involved in nature yeah brilliant thanks it's been great to be on thanks for listening and we'll see you next week to keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire lass Follow on Facebook and Instagram at From a Lancashire Lass.